This is Penny Radio. Thank you for tuning in. I'm James Whittington, and I'm here to help you master your money. Whether you're a complete beginner or have been around the block once or twice, now is the time to start your journey and take control of your finances. And I'll be with you every step of the way. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Personal Finance Podcast, Penny Radio. I'm here to turn your money mystification into money mastery, mostly using dark magic and sorcery, also known as a calculator in today's episode. So after last week's episode, how did you get on looking at how inflation impacts you? What do you think of the current state of the economy? Is it all doom and gloom or are there reasons to be cheerful? Remember to let me know if you've got any questions. You can always get in touch with me via the contact page at pennyradio.co.uk. Alternatively, if you're a bit more old school, as in, well, you grew up in the 90s, you can always email me any questions at james at pennyradio.co.uk. So what's in store for today's episode? Well, we're going to be carrying on with our foray into the world of inflation. It's one of the forces out there that actively destroys whatever wealth we are trying to create. If you like, it's the arch nemesis and evil twin of compound interest. Okay, so that may be a bit sensationalist, but generally inflation isn't exactly great for our own personal financial health. Now, as there are some calculation bits in this episode, you may find it helpful to have a pen, paper and a calculator to hand, so you can have a go at the examples yourself as we go through them. Check out the show notes as well, because I'll be putting all the examples there in a step-by-step way so you can see how they work after the show. You can use this and adapt the numbers for your own financial situation too. So today we'll be covering how inflation impacts our financial wealth and health and what we can do about it. What's my beef with inflation? Isn't it just a name for a change in price from year to year? Well, yes it is. And if all things increased in line every year with inflation, it wouldn't be a problem. As £1.02 this year is just the new £1 from last year. However, not everything goes up with inflation, or even at all, and that's my problem. Now don't get me wrong, because I can see how a bit of stable growth in the economy can benefit society as a whole, and how it can be a good thing for us as individuals. There's more chance of us getting and keeping a secure job, wages can even increase, goods and services are relatively affordable. However, you only have to look at Venezuela to see how inflation can get out of control, and then how society can break down as a result. But even if it doesn't get out of control to that level, unless we are careful, inflation can erode our personal wealth in the opposite way that compound interest can grow it. That's why I call it compound interest's evil twin. It puts our future financial health at risk. So if you understand it, you can do something about it. If you don't, you can suffer as a result. In the last episode, I reminisced about the glory days of when you could get a pint for a quid. Well, you're lucky if you get changed from a tenner for some pints of craft beer in London these days. But let's just imagine if the next year your £1 pint increases to £1.05, but your wages haven't gone up, then in real terms, to you, that pint has gone up in price as well. The same happens if you find a fiver stuffed in your old winter coat that you haven't put on for a year. Whereas before with your fiver, you could have got five pints at a pound each. Well, now you could only get four pints with 80p change for maybe a packet of crisps. So inflation actually means that your money becomes worth less than it was before because it doesn't stretch as far. You can't afford to buy as much. We say that this is the value of money in real terms because it refers to what we really can afford to do with it. Right, so, well, 5p and a pint of beer isn't a big deal if you have a few pints a week. But let's think about the average cost of food for an average household in the UK. 
In 2017, this is £4,599. Inflation was 3.3% between 2017 and 2018. This means that the food will have increased to £4,753, or an extra £154. And that's just on food. If your wage hadn't gone up over the same period, you would be £154 worse off for nothing. £154 less for you to spend on what you want, or to save for your future. Or what if that meant you just couldn't afford to buy as much food anymore, and had to occasionally go hungry? This is often the case when food prices go up by more than state benefits to people who can't work. And imagine that fiver is actually cash in your bank account, where the same thing happens to any savings that you have. The value of them decreases year on year. So say you had £1,000 in your savings from last year. It'd be worth less this year than it was last year, because you won't be able to buy as much with that £1,000 anymore. So not only are you getting very little or no interest at all from whatever bank account you're using, the money in there is actually worth less. Now, as we talked about last week, 3.3% of inflation is actually outside the 1-3% to range that the Bank of England aims for, so it can be seen as quite high. Now, I know this is going back a bit, but let's think about the 70s. In the 70s, the lowest rate of inflation was in 1970 with 6.4% basically double 2017's inflation, and more than triple the current Bank of England target of 2%. Inflation actually reached nearly 25% between 1974 and 1975. Just imagine that. The average cost of food in 2017, which was £4,599, would have actually gone up by £1,150 in 2018. Just in one year. The average inflation for the whole decade was 13.7% a year, so if something had cost £100 in 1970, by 1980 it would have cost £360. That's 3.6 times as much, just in 10 years. If you look at it the other way around, £100 in 1970 would only be worth £27.72 by 1980. So if you had £100 in your bank account, by 1980 you'd only be able to buy 27 quid's worth of stuff. That's crazy compared to current levels of inflation, but it has happened in the past and it shows how inflation can make your money worth a lot less than before. So let's think about a real world example using the Bank of England target rate of 2% of inflation every year. Imagine you've just sold your old car and you've got a grand in cash and you put it in your current account, which is likely going to pay you no interest whatsoever. After one year, your £1,000 is now only worth £980.39p in today's terms. Even though you'll still have £1,000 in your bank account, you'll only be able to buy £980 worth of the stuff that you could buy when you first put the money in. That's because the price of stuff has gone up, but the value of your money in your bank account hasn't. So what about after 10 years? Well remember there'll be inflation on the inflation too, because inflation gets compounded just like interest. So it won't just be 10 times 2% or 20% of inflation, it will actually be 21.9%. You still have £1,000 in your bank account, but it'll only be worth £820.35p in today's money. In other words, your £1,000 in 10 years' time will only be able to buy £820 worth of the stuff that you can buy today. You'd have actually needed your £1,000 to grow to £1,219 in 10 years' time just for it to maintain pace with inflation and be able to buy the same stuff that you could buy today. So grab your pen, paper and calculator and let's see how we can calculate this for ourselves. We'll start off with the price of a flat white in Pret and how it changes over a year. 
It's about £2.35 in 2020, depending on where you are based. We know that prices increased between 2017 and 2018 by 3.3%, so let's just use that same number to see what a flat white in 2021 could cost us. To calculate an increase in price, we take the percentage increase, which in this case is 3.3%, and add it to 100%. This gives us 103.3%. However, if there's been a decrease in price, we just take that percentage decrease off the 100%. In this case, it would be 100 minus 3.3, or 96.7%. But as prices have gone up, to calculate what a flat white will set us back in 2021, we take our 103.3%, which is 103.3 divided by 100 on your calculators, and multiply this by the 2020 price of £2.35. This means our flat white should cost us £2.43 if we round to the nearest penny in 2021, or an increase of 8p. If you want to do it the other way around and work out the percentage of inflation that the price has gone up by, what you do is you take the 2021 price of £2.43 and divide it by the 2020 price of £2.35. This would give you roughly 1.033. You then multiply by 100 to put it into percentage terms and take off 100%. This should leave you with about 3.3%, which is our rate of inflation that we're using, so that's right. Now, if you only have the 2021 price and the rate of inflation, and you want to know what the 2020 price was, you take the 3.3% inflation, add it to 100%, then divide the answer by 100 to give you 1.033 on your calculators. Now you divide the 2021 price of £2.43 by 1.033, and you should get the 2020 price of roughly £2.35. Now don't worry, because I'm going to be putting all these examples in the Excel workbook in the show notes if you're a bit lost. You'll probably notice that these are very similar to the formula that we use when calculating interest rates. Now if you want to calculate the impact of inflation over a longer period of time, say 10 years, the way you do this is with the to power of button on your calculator that we use when looking at compound interest. Remember that it looks like an X with a small Y on top of it and that you may need to use the shift button and the x squared button, or the x with a small 2 above it. If you're using your phone, turn it horizontally and you should get the scientific calculator come up and you'll be able to see it then. So let's look at what our flat white will cost us in 10 years time if inflation remains at 3.3%. To do this, add 3.3 to 100, press equals, and then divide by 100 again like you did in the first calculation. Now press the XY button and type in the number of years you want, 10 in this case. Press equals again. Now multiply your answer by our 2020 price of £2.35. What have you got? It looks like a prep flat white in 2030 is going to cost us about £3.25, an increase of 90p. Probably still cheaper than Starbucks is today, but hey ho, who am I to judge? So let's look at a slightly different angle. What about that £2.35 that you're spending now to get that flat white in 2020? How much will that £2.35 be worth in 10 years' time? Well, you follow the same steps as before. Add 3.3 to 100. Divide the answer by 100. Hit the XY button, type in 10 and press equals again. Write down your answer using your pen and paper. Now clear your calculator. Put in your £2.35 and divide by the answer that you've just written down. 
press equals and what have you got? You should have got about £1.70. So this means that in 2030, your £2.35 will only be able to buy £1.70's worth of stuff it can do today. In other words, it will be worth 65p less in real terms. Now compare that to the increase in the price in the flat white. So if you're taking your £2.35 and instead of buying a flat white today in 2020, and you'd saved it in a current account with no interest paying on it instead, then in 2030 the cost of the flat white would have gone up to £3.25, but you'd still only have £2.35 in your bank account, so you wouldn't be able to buy a coffee. It would be the same as trying to buy a £2.35 coffee today with only £1.70. So let's think about another real world situation. If you have a savings account, if inflation is higher than your interest rate, then you will be losing money every year. If it is the same as your interest rate, you won't be making any money at all. You need to find an interest rate that beats inflation if you want to grow your money each year. Which, let's face it, is very difficult given what interest rates accounts are offering at the moment and what the target rate of inflation is. Now, factor in if you're going to pay tax on your interest as well. To do this, you need to take tax off the full amount of interest first. So if you pay 20% tax, you need to put in 100 minus 20, then press equals, then divide the answer by 100. Now multiply this answer by the interest rate that you get on your account. This is your net of tax interest rate. Now take off inflation. This is your true rate of return on the account. This is made even worse if you just spend the interest and don't reinvest it or let it compound. Another real world example is if you have an annuity when you retire. Now don't worry if you don't really know what this is, we're going to be discussing it in another episode. But basically it's a type of pension that pays you a set amount each year for the rest of your life. When you buy an annuity, you can select for it to increase in line with inflation. However, if you don't do this, then say you get £10,000 a year when you retire at 66. You'll still get £10,000 a year when you're 86. But say inflation had been 3.3% per year over that 20-year period, you'll only be able to buy £5,223.88p's worth of stuff that you could buy today. In other words, the value of your pension would have almost halved. If on the other hand you don't buy an annuity and you just rely on taking money out of your pension when you need it, every year you'll have to sell a little bit more of your investments than the previous year to make sure that you can still afford to buy the same things. So in other words, your pension pot actually gets smaller at a faster rate each year. So inflation can cause you to run out of money in retirement. With all the issues we've just discussed, can you see now why I don't really like it? Now it's not all doom and gloom because unlike compound interest which always benefits the lender and never the borrower, inflation is the other way around. It always benefits the borrower and never the lender. If you have a loan like a mortgage, in real terms the value of that loan actually goes down with inflation. Instead of a pension of £10,000 like in the last example, let's say you have a mortgage of £10,000 and only pay the interest and inflation is still 3.3%. After 20 years, the remaining loan, 
is still the £10,000 that you took out, but it will only be worth £5,223.88 in today's terms. In other words, almost half of what you owe today. Added to which, your house price is likely to have gone up by at least inflation, having a doubly positive impact, meaning you could sell the house and use the money to pay off the mortgage and still have a large sum left over. This is what buy-to-let investors hope for and what baby boomers take advantage of when they downsize. Still, it's generally not a good idea to take on a load of debt in the hope that it won't be worth as much in the future, especially as you have to take account of all the interest that you have to pay as well, which will likely be higher than the inflation benefits. This is especially the case where interest actually goes up with inflation. So, for anyone who has a student loan out there, that's you. Your interest rate is a set base rate plus inflation. So whatever inflation does, it won't impact the value of your loan in real terms. In other words, inflation could go up massively and the value of your loan in real terms will also go up as well. So what can we do about all this? What are some useful tips to limit the negative impact of inflation on our financial health? Well, we'll look at this in more detail when we start to build our investment portfolios in a future series. But generally, because after tax and inflation, cash we hold in bank accounts is worth less each year, so we should limit how much cash we hold in banks. We still need to make sure that we have enough for any emergencies and any financial goals that we have over the next three years, and we'll just have to suck up the cost of inflation on this. If you find a good savings account with a good interest rate that is still fairly accessible, this will limit the impact. And a couple of percent loss a year is better than a 25% or more loss from a stock market crash just when you need the money most. For the rest of your money that you're putting towards longer term financial goals, you should consider investing in what are called real assets, but are basically just stocks and shares and property. Property tends to increase in value in line or above with inflation over the very long term. And shares tend to do this as well. This is because if there is inflation, it is usually because people are spending money. This tends to be beneficial to companies because people will be buying their stuff, so their share prices will go up too. This is obviously a massive simplification, but it gives you the gist of why. There are also something called index-linked bonds, mostly issued by the UK government, that increase with inflation too. However, they are relatively expensive though, because pension funds buy them all up so they can afford to increase pension annuities in line with inflation for those who select this option. Ideally, whilst you're building your wealth, reinvesting any interest in dividends will also help to fight and even beat inflation. Spending your interest in dividends means that you won't benefit from the compounding effect that you would get if you reinvested them. It's also harder to beat inflation if you're drawing down on a retirement fund as well, because you're reducing the amount of money that there is available to grow through investment growth, interest and dividends. So to sum it all up, you can fight inflation and even beat it, but generally it works against you and can negatively impact your financial health. Sometimes it does work for you if you have loans though. Now a good thing to do after the show is to compare any interest rates that you get on your cash accounts that you have, after tax, against inflation. This will help you see how inflation can impact your savings. Think about what you can try and do about this. And remember to check out the show notes after the episode at pennyradio.co.uk so you can see how all the examples we've talked about are actually calculated and you can adapt the numbers to your own personal financial situation too. And remember, if you've got any questions, get in touch with me via the contact page at the website 
or you can email me at james at pennyradio.co.uk. And on the website, you'll also find links to Penny Radio's Facebook and Twitter accounts, so why not give me a follow so you can stay up to date with the latest news for Penny Radio. I would also appreciate it if you could spare a moment to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It will help me to help more people master their money. Well, there you have it. Everything you need to know about inflation. Thank you very much for listening to Penny Radio. And join me next time as we'll be busting more jargon and looking to make the murky world of tax less murky. Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Penny Radio. Join me next time where we'll be continuing the journey to help you master your money.